You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to The Chris and Joe Show, presented to you by SB Nation and Big Blue View. I'm Joe DeLeon, joined by Chris Flum, as always. And during the week, like we always on Thursdays, we give you a breakdown and a preview on the upcoming matchup for the New York Giants this week. They're facing off against a 4-3 Dallas Cowboys team, which has been one of the hotter teams in the NFL, despite hovering around 500, currently leading the the NFC East. They have had multiple big wins against in-conference arrivals, but have also seen losses against the New York Jets of all teams. Interestingly enough, the New York Giants recently just passed the trade deadline and they somehow did not trade anyone despite everyone really expecting them to move on from at least two of the veteran players on the roster. Yeah, that's something we both were expecting. We were all set to do a trade deadline reaction show. We had, you know, we had Ed lined up to do a round table. We were, we had our time picked out and everything and the Giants did nothing. (laughs) It's almost as if they, you know, we, the minute we're so prepared and ready to go and, and we actually have our feet under us, unlike the Leonard Williams trade where it happened, we're like, all right, we got to record something. The, uh, the, the remaining of part of the trade deadline, we, we, we finally get all prepared and ready and nothing ends up happening. So it was pretty shocking that they did not move on from at least Nate Solder, Janoris Jenkins, or Alec Ogletree. I think what might have happened is there might have been interest in them, but with the contracts they have, teams probably weren't, give, weren't willing to give up enough to suit the Giants and make them feel like they got value for the players. So the Giants pretty much, they were just buyers. Yeah, I think a big thing was trying for them trying to make a move, and I, I'm, I can guarantee that those talks probably happened between teams, considering the amount of reports and murmurs that we were hearing. I'm just, it seems like that they were not able to really find any any common footing with whoever they were trying to negotiate with. Yeah, and that happens. That happens all the time. Yeah, you know, we heard that. Dallas came very close to acquiring Jamal Adams, <laughs> much to we're finding out today his chagrin. He did not want to be traded, and turns out, you know, a little bit of drama with the Jets that their general manager was shopping him anyway, even after Adams asked to remain a Jet. So at least the Giants haven't had anything like that crop up. No, it's good that they don't have that, and I'm, I'm also sure that the Giants are thankful that the. Cowboys were not able to trade for Jamal Adams because that would have made this matchup all the more scarier for the Giants as they're trying to get back on track after four straight losses. So like we always do every single Thursday, we give you the offensive and the defensive game plan for the upcoming matchup. So when we're talking about this offensive game plan, we're going to 
consider this because the Giants had a very good offensive week against a bad defense. And I want to ask this question because it's very important to consider that what elements from last week's game and a strong performance on offense can the Giants use to carry over against a very, very good defense? That is, I think, going to be the question with this game, at least from the, from an offensive perspective, because the Lions didn't have much of a pass rush. They were able to get some pressure on Daniel Jones late in the game, but that really didn't happen until the Giants were more or less backed into a corner of having to throw the ball, and then they were able to tee off. The Cowboys have a much better, a much more thoroughly talented defense, and it's a defense that has gotten better or gotten more players anyway since the last time we saw them way back in week one. Yeah, I think that the trick for the Giants is going to have to try to be building on Jones's performance, getting the ball out quickly, getting those yards after the carry, or yards after catch rather. <clears throat> Maybe try to get Saquon Barkley the ball in space, use him as a receiver, but get him beyond the line of scrimmage like they were doing last week against the Lions. I If the Giants try to sit back and pick the Dallas defense apart, that I don't think is going to work. But if they can play a quick strike offense and really scheme some space for their playmakers, that is probably how they'll be able to move the ball. The real key thing that worked last week that I think could carry over into this game was something that you had had touched upon is keeping all the pressure off of Daniel Jones and not forcing him to go out there and have to win the game. Saquon Barkley had a decent rushing performance, but most importantly, he was used as a receiver out of the backfield and he had over seven catches and over 80 yards and a touchdown because they were scheming ways for him to get the ball, but also being used as a dump off. So the Dallas Cowboys have struggled against opposing teams with decent receiving running backs. Potentially could be a week where the Giants could find Saquon Barkley for 8 to 12 catches and allow him to get in space and allow him to go off. I would just like to say, in contrast to when the Giants found Barkley 14 times against the Cowboys at the beginning of the year last year, they do need to try to get him in space and beyond the line of scrimmage. If they're just using him as a dump off on swing passes and you know just safety valve stuff behind the line of scrimmage, Dallas's linebackers are too athletic. They will be able to track him down, and he will have his work cut out for him just getting back to the line of scrimmage. That's how he had 14 catches and only 80 yards last year. Speaking of their linebackers, the next thing that we want to discuss here is who on their defense really scares us, because this defense is filled with a lot of playmakers and a lot of very talented players. Who, though, do the Giants really need to be the most worried about? I would say the Cowboys' defensive line. Demarcus Lawrence hasn't been producing quite as much as I'm sure Dallas would have hoped or his contract kind of uh, demands of him, but he is still a very good defensive end. And since the Giants saw Dallas, they got Robert Quinn back, who is a very good speed rusher, which is not great news for Nate Solder and Mike Remmers. They also added Michael Bennett, who is still good off the edge, and he's kind of Justin Tuck-like in that he can move inside, and he has the combination of speed and power to really give offensive guards and centers fits as a defensive tackle. So those three players in particular and how they can be deployed together, that scares me from the Giants' perspective. 
it was already a very scary defensive line, so it really does not help the Giants' Giants situation right now, especially considering how much their offensive line has struggled against good pass rushers. So having Michael Bennett in that unit and coming over from New England does make things very, very difficult for them. I think the other thing that really scares me, though, is the the duo that we spoke of in the very beginning of the season, and, and that's Jalen Smith and Leighton Van Der Esch playing in the middle of that defense at the uh, the linebacker positions. Both very young, very athletic, very rangy, and they can make tons and tons of plays at their linebacker position. So the Giants need to be worried about them, need to get to the second level, cannot allow themselves to get overly occupied with the Dallas Cowboys defense at the line of scrimmage. Seeing Jalen Smith on the Cowboys front seven is always kind of a bittersweet moment for me because I absolutely loved him coming out of the draft and it was almost physically painful for me to see his knee injury. I hoped that would mean the Giants could draft him, but I also know that with the Giants' luck with injuries, he probably would never have been able to play it down. So while I'm, all, so while I'm thrilled for him that he's able to come back healthy and be the linebacker I thought he could be coming out of Notre Dame. Did it have to be for the Cowboys? <laughs> That's a good point that it just so happened. I, I also completely agree with you. I love Jalen Smith and watching him in college. And it, it just, it was bittersweet seeing that he ended up going to the Dallas Cowboys and getting the opportunity to play as well as he has. So to wrap up the offensive game plan though, Chris, what do you think needs to be the, the approach to preparing to play the Dallas Cowboys on Monday? First and foremost, I think anymore it has to come back to protecting Daniel Jones. The Giants' offensive line is just giving up way too much pressure. They were able to hold up for most of the game against the Lions, but it, eventually it did begin to break down. And we saw that kind of impact Jones in the backfield and really the Giants' ability to move the ball when they absolutely had to. So... They're going to have to, at least in my eyes, do everything they can, schematically blocking schemes, uh, passing concepts to protect Daniel Jones, keep pressure off of him, get the ball out of his hand before pressure can get there. And then I think things will build off of that. When I was mulling over what the game plan could be for the Giants, I the last thing that I thought I would be saying is this. They need to do pretty much exactly what the Jets did to pull off an upset against the Cowboys because we know right now that the Jets are a dumpster fire and some would argue in a worse situation with their roster than the Giants are. I, I would make that argument 10 times out of 10 that the Giants are in a much better situation. Um, their defense is a little bit stronger, but their offense is not as good as the Giants is. And they were able to to beat the Dallas Cowboys. They were able to have a productive day. And, and I believe Sam Darnold after that game was the AFC Offensive Player of the Week. I, I'm like 90% sure on that. So they need to do exactly what worked for the Jets. And that was actually taking some deep shots. They threw a couple deep balls. They had a 92-yard passing touchdown. Things like that ended up working in this game. You have Darius Slayton, who is probably the fastest receiver in this receiving group, ran in that 4-3 range. You've got some other speedsters with good hands. Maybe it takes taking some shots and catching their secondary a little bit off guard and also some other deep passing concepts as a change of pace from 
getting the ball out quickly with with the shorter uh, shorter passing routes and along the, anything along those lines. Just use that as a change of pace because that also worked very very well for the Jets when they beat the Cowboys. That is a place where play action could come into come into play just hugely, especially maybe use Daniel Jones's legs, throw some RPO concepts, or maybe even read option. Though you don't really you really don't want Daniel Jones running with the ball just from a longevity perspective, but those concepts are useful for slowing down a pass rush. So if you can get the defense thinking about multiple things at once, are they are the Giants running the ball? Are they throwing the ball? Is it going to be a short pass or a deep pass? If you can get the defense thinking instead of playing, then you can take those deep shots, and that's a place where you could have Darius Slayton show up. You could have Evan Ingram show up. Get Saquon Barkley down the field on a wheel route. I, I was thinking that exactly, and, and you you put the words you took the words right out of my mouth. And I was thinking that the Giants don't really run a ton of wheel routes with Barkley, but maybe that works in this situation. Maybe you split him out wide and allow him to go be a playmaker because it doesn't seem like anyone on that Cowboys defense has done a good job of covering running backs. Something else that that works specifically in the in the red zone that I've seen in the past few games is is finding your tight end, Dallas Goddard. Scored a touchdown, um, and and a few of the other opponents that they had also uh, were able to find touchdowns with their tight ends. So, getting the ball to Evan Ingram if they're in that red area might might be a, a valid option for them. And it would be nice to see Ingram kind of reemerge as a threat after really two kind of quiet, not great weeks from him. It would be very nice to have Evan Ingram have a big game this Monday against the Dallas Cowboys. Now we're going to transition to the defensive game plan, but before we do that, we're going to take a very short commercial break. Defensively, the Giants might have the most difficult task that they're going to have the entire season. They were burnt during week one in their first matchup for over 400 passing yards for Dak Prescott. And this offense has continued to roll, being in the top four of both categories of passing and running, and currently has the statistically best offense in terms of yardage in the NFL. That's all a lot to deal with. Chris, how do you approach beating a team that is just so dominant on offense? I was writing about this this morning for the Giants defensive preview, and about the only thing I could come up with is try to get takeaways. Right now, Dak Prescott is definitely a top five quarterback in the NFL, and you could even make the argument that he is a top three quarterback. That is how well he is playing. He is right up there with Drew Brees and Russell Wilson and Pat Mahomes. He is really taking his game to another level. With Kellen Moore calling the plays, the addition of Amari Cooper, and Cooper, I believe, is now healthy again after dealing with a quad bruise a couple weeks ago. And the addition of Randall Cobb, the the development of Gallup, he has weapons, he is getting the ball to them, and he is doing it better than he ever has. The only area he he has taken a step backwards this year is that he is throwing interceptions at a higher rate than he has since his rookie year. Now he's throwing further down the field, so they're taking a little bit more of a risk-reward track with their offense. So if he takes those risks, and even though he's completing 70% of his passes, 
if he takes those risks and things and the opportunity is there, the Giants need to exploit them. Otherwise, they will probably be playing catch up all game long. It's very underrated how well he has been playing this season. I, I think that not a lot of people really recognize that that the reason why there's, this team is doing so well is because of a step up in his performance. And you can attribute that to the new play calling with Kellen Moore and then also all the new toys that he has to throw to. However, like you said, though, he is turning the ball over a relatively significant amount. So when you have a quarterback like that is willing to take risks, the Giants just really needed to, to capitalize on them, making those plays, but also putting points on the board when you get the ball in those situations. We've seen the Giants early in the season struggle once they get a turnover and end up punting it or kicking a field goal and not completing a drive and leaving points on the board. They can't do that this week. They're not going to get that many opportunities to force turnovers, but when they do, they need to score. Yeah, definitely. And the Giants kind of can't settle for field goals. The Cowboys are averaging just under 30 points a game. I I believe they're 27.4 or something like that. They hung 35 on the Giants in week one. The Giants are going to have to keep up on offense, and that means putting the ball in the end zone whether they get like interception returns for touchdowns, scoop and scores, or the defense is able to get the ball back for the offense and then the offense puts the ball in the end zone, one way or the other, they have to get seven. Any chance, Every time they have the ball in their hands, they have possession of the ball, they need to score touchdowns. Otherwise, the, this game is just going to snowball on them. Considering how bad the defensive performance was in week one, I, I think it's fair to ask, was there anything that we can learn from that bad performance and try and build on it so the same exact thing does not happen again? I would say, first off, uh, don't play Antonio Hamilton. <laughs> but also, play your corners to their strengths. Let them play press coverage. Let them get up on the wide receivers. Let them try to throw them off their routes. We have seen the Giants play much better when they're playing man coverage in the secondary than when they're playing zone. There is just, there are communication problems. There are too many breakdowns and holes when the Giants try to play zone coverage on the back end. And then that just trickles down to the defensive front and it just all breaks down. So at least for me, the biggest thing would be to play tight sound coverage on the back end and then if you can, try to bring pressure. Dak Prescott has not been blitzed much this season. And I think that is because they have so many weapons, teams kind of can't can't spare the coverage players to send a blitz. So if the Giants are able to at least feel a little bit comfortable with man coverage from Janoris Jenkins and DeAndre Baker and... Grant Haley or Jordan Love, it would be it would be nice to see him. Maybe they can send a little extra pressure. Maybe send uh, Dale Buchanan or Jabril Peppers on a blitz through the A or B gap and try to force some of those errors from Dak Prescott. That also might be their best way to create pressure considering how good their offensive line is by sending those blitzes. 
But the one thing that you said about press coverage is really, I think, the major key here. In week one, we saw all these free releases and wide open receivers coming across the middle of the field. They're not going to be able to make those plays across the middle of the field if they're getting jammed, if the timing's being thrown off, um, if they're being redirected on their routes. That's really key, and that's what the identity of this Giants defense is in their secondary and in what they do well. DeAndre Baker is a great press corner. Janoris Jenkins is pretty good at press as well. So just using those guys to their strengths, not allowing them to get beat because they're in off coverage and they're just trying to catch up. The Giants' corners aren't as fast as these playmakers are, and there's a ton of them for the the Dallas Cowboys. They have Amari Cooper, um, Michael Gallup, Tony Pollard, all of these really, really fast athletic players. It's just going to be easy pickings for them if if they have free and open space to move. Absolutely, and of course, there is still Jason Witten. There is always Jason Witten, and if the Giants are playing zone coverage, Jason Witten will find the void in that zone. I don't know how he does it. I honestly don't know how anybody can't cover him at this point. But he his understanding of defenses is just so great. His route running is so nuanced that he will find those open spaces. And he will find those voids and zones. And against the Giants, he will probably catch a touchdown. Finally, to wrap things up, let's take a look at the defensive game plan for the Giants and what might work for them. The one thing that I think is very important here is that they need to be very wary of play action and not always be biting on the run. They have a tendency, the Cowboys, to set up some of their passing plays with play action because a lot of teams are so afraid of this run-blocking offensive line and Ezekiel Elliott and their ability to get yards easily by just pounding it right up the middle or using you know zone run, anything like that. I, I think the Giants just need to be very, very smart and not biting on that because if they do, they're, they're going to be constantly on their heels if they're able to set up and easily operate in both things. Yeah, absolutely. The one place I think they should pay extra attention to the run is close to the end zone. Somehow, as good as the Dallas offense is, they've only thrown for 10 touchdowns. But right now, Ezekiel Elliott is... I believe tied for fifth or sixth in the league in rushing touchdowns. Uh, Prescott has three more of them. Tony Pollard has one. Tavon Austin has one. They are using their passing offense to get in position. So the Giants have to be respectful of that and not let them get those big gains to get close to the end zone. But if Dallas is able to get there, that's when they need to stiffen up and play you know, really tough run defense and not let Dallas just punch it in. Make them work for those passing touchdowns. A final thing that is very important for this game, and it sounds very simple when I say this, but it's very, very key considering what this Dallas offense does well. And that's just being fundamentally sound in tackling. We can't have, there can't be any missed tackles in this game from the Giants defense because of how quick, how shifty, how explosive, how athletic their running backs, their receivers, their tight ends are. They're one of the best offenses in the league for a reason because they have that talent. So if you're not sound in tackling and you're not making sure tackles and you're, or you're making arm tackles instead, they're going to get those extra yards. You need to stop them at the point of contact and don't allow them to fight for anything extra. 
and that isn't just a problem with the Giants. Their tackling has taken a hit over the last, oh, I would say decade in the NFL. Just tackling has kind of become a lost art. There are some guys who are really good at it. You know, we have seen that from Grant Haley, especially in his run cover, run defense. The Giants need that across the board. They cannot allow, the, just like you said, they cannot allow those yards after contact. They can't allow the tight ends or the running backs or the receivers to fight through arm tackles, bounce off of shoulder checks, keep their balance, and keep running. They have to bring them down as quickly and securely as possible. All right, that is going to be it from us. That's everything that the Giants need to be prepared for that you need to know about for the game coming up on Monday night. Not a typical Sunday game as usual. It is on Monday Night Football this week. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you're listening to. And also follow us on social media at Big Blue View, at Joe DeLeon, D-E-L-E-O-N-E, and at Raptor M-K-I-I. Have a wonderful rest of your day, folks. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting fundrise.com fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.